joining us today on the Genuine Intelligence podcast. I'm speaking with Naf Vista um, today. Thank you for joining me, Naf. Um, why don't you give, give the listeners and the viewers a bit of an introduction? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Always, always fun to talk with you. You know, right now I'm just sort of on a mission to uh, make people happier. Um, I know that that sounds kind of maybe passe or whatever, but, you know, I, I just think that in this world that there's so many um, seemingly like big reasons to be upset um, that I'm just trying to point people towards um, their own peace and perhaps that will lead to more peace in this world. But um, since all of those things are really just people, it all comes down to the same stuff. Amazing, amazing. And you've you've written a book or two, haven't you, about, um, I guess, how humans working, wasn't it? Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah. So that book um, came out about five years ago. It's called Humans Working, and it's, it's basically about uh, creating better cultures. It is unique, though, in that the first half of the book describes principles, really principles, things that are always true about the human condition how humans operate, the human operating system, as I say sometimes. The second half of the book uses, if you will, um, those understanding, those principles, and um, shows you how they might uh, apply in various business situations. And um, there's no tips and tricks in the book, really. So even that second half is just sort of example stories of, of how people have seen something new through understanding this human operating system. And through that, how things shifted for them. When I was 23, I started a company. And the reason for starting that company was I just felt like the other companies I'd worked, obviously not many of them by the time I was 23, but were really kind of just not that kind. And, you know, um, I, I've always been fairly idealistic and thought the world should be kind. So I started this company and and we did, you know, we did pretty well. We were not out to, you know, change the world of software or anything like that. At one point we had, um, we had a couple of really catastrophic financial events hit us. It seemingly we had to shut the doors. And I told everybody that, you know, it's time to go home. And I loved them, but there was no other option. And basically, uh, they all 10 people said that they would stay and work for free for two months. And we rescued the company and then sold it. Following that experience, I sort of, you know, had this insight, if you will, that like, maybe I get this thing about culture, maybe I understand what this is about. And so I really wanted to teach, if you will, other companies how to do this, right? How to how to make a company such that people would be that loyal and that and if and if there were no catastrophe, people would be engaged and want to be there. And so thankfully, um, through I don't even know how, but I stumbled on some deeper, call it philosophical, spiritual truths or whatever. And um and I wrote my book from that perspective. So, you know, from there, even without when when I work with clients, even without going into their specific, call it problems, um, those problems seem to remedy themselves as people understand these deeper uh, truths about how humans work. Yeah, no, of course. I just, I find it fascinating though, that when when you hear the word culture, you automatically think about um, work and it's almost like a value proposition that every business tries to um, almost sell themselves on that they have a great culture but it's not just in work is it that that you have to kind of build a culture almost um but like what, what do you think yeah in the aggregate like in in a group setting a company or a, a country or whatever the culture uh is a byproduct right it's not something that you do it's a byproduct of 
how people get along at, at, at the base and how people get along um, and how people interact with each other and how people interact with customers, say, and vendors and so forth is a product of their thinking, right? So if you have very protective thinking, if you think that I have to look out for number one and my job is in jeopardy and, um, you know, and uh, it's a dog eat dog world and all those sorts of thoughts, you are going to act according to those thoughts. You are generally not going to be generous. You're not going to be kind, stuff like that. If, of course, you have thinking that like everything always works out and there's plenty for everybody and stuff like that, you're going to act much differently. And that may seem fairly obvious, um, it, it, you know, and but the, the challenge is that when we learn things like that, we learn, let's just say you go to a seminar, right? And and they tell you, hey, we did this big study and it turns out that like if people trust each other more, you know, they they're more productive. And so you as the boss, you go back to work on Monday and you say, hey, everybody, I want you to trust each other more. And of course, it just doesn't work that way. Right. Why do we trust each other? We have to look at that. And why do we not trust each other? Why do we like I said, why do we think that we have to protect ourselves and all those sorts of things? So that's let's just put that to the side for a second. Now, what you asked is like, well, well, why why do we have the thinking that we have? Right. Why do I have protective thinking, let's say, or generous thinking or just depressed thinking or happy thinking or any kind of whatever? Right. And it looks right. This is this is this is the root of it all. It looks like we are all product of our environment, right? It looks like if we win a client, of course, that makes us happy. And if we lose a client, that makes us sad. If we, you know, have some other, if we get diagnosed with cancer, that makes us miserable. If we are cured of cancer, that makes us, and and on and on and on and on and on, right? When your partner yells at you, well, of course, that makes you upset. And right. And when they buy you flowers, of course, that makes you not upset. And and not only do we believe that this is true, um, we perpetuate it with so many, so many activities that we do in the world. So there's there's what we're thinking in the moment. Right. Which is just the content, all of the hundreds of thousands of thoughts, literally probably something like 60,000 to 200,000 thoughts that pass through our head every day. That's what we're thinking, right? It's like everything from like what's for dinner to like what's my bank balance to like what do I have to do to this is really hard projects to like, oh, she's cute to like everything, right? everything that passes through our head. And then you could say, well, why, why do we think these, right? And that probably goes at least somewhat to programming, right? Your childhood, your religion, upbringing, belief systems, stuff like that. But Knowing those two things doesn't really get you very far. And most therapy, um, and I would argue a lot of coaching, aims at that second level, that that why, right? Why are you thinking this stuff? And we sort of like try to unravel that, um, that, that type of thinking. And it gets you some mileage, right? <clears throat> you can definitely do something with that. But um, I think the bigger, the bigger picture, if you will, is just that we are thinking, right? That we understand that our entire world is created moment to moment through the power of thought. That's it. And that, once you see that, you don't need to unravel anything. You don't need to see any of your thinking as bad or weird or, you know, um, offbeat or the result of trauma, or you just start to realize like, oh, I'm, I'm literally making this all up moment to moment. And it's not the me that's making it up, right? It's it's something bigger. It's something spiritual. We'll just leave it at that for now. But it's all being it's all being crafted moment to moment, right? We 
another way to put it is that we think that we are looking at the world with these like amazing cameras that we have called eyes and this like really powerful computer we might call a brain. And through that, we are understanding uh, what's going on around us. But in fact, we are projecting, our eyes are more like projectors onto the world, if you will, our thinking and then believing it's true. Right. Another way to put it is like our eyes, not our eyes, we know, just say we project this movie onto this movie screen in front of us, right? We of what and then our mind convinces us that this is a documentary, right? Our mind convinces us like this is your life. This is actually true about your life and about the world and, and politics and everything. It convinces you, it tries to convince you that you're watching a documentary as opposed to convincing you like, nah, that's just what you're thinking right this second. And in five minutes, there's gonna be a different movie there because it's just how the system works. Again, regardless of what you, your trauma and, and your history and your race and all of that stuff, everybody's thinking shifts all of the time, right? Everybody's thinking shifts all of the time. And as it does, we see the world differently. And as we see the world differently, we act differently. And as we see the world in a less, let's just say threatening way, we act in a more generous way. And generally in, let's just say in companies, when we act in a more generous way, in a, in a less threatened way, we tend to help each other more. We tend to let our ideas magnify each other's ideas. We tend to come up with better ideas. We tend to get more done. Um, and, you know, and that obviously inevitably leads to better, what you call business results, you know, better sales and profit and innovation and all those kinds of things. So, um, that was a really long-winded answer to a pretty short question. <laughs> no, no, it's always so interesting to hear, though, because there are there are so many experts out there who talk about exactly this, and um, one of them that comes to mind is Joe Dispenza. I'm sure you've have you heard, yeah, you've heard of him. And um, you know, he when I sort of first met my partner, he showed me a couple of clips about you know the sort of things Joe Dispenza talks about, and it, it's all it's all this it's all the fact that um you know you you're in control of your own mind and ultimately your own destiny and there are obviously certain events that i think you can use in your life to either react badly or react better to and um this is where kind of that that word serendipity comes in isn't it you know when when you've had some kind of experience in your life and something you know has changed or flicked the switch and it's made you think completely differently and and i i remember you kind of because i listened to, to part of your audio book um there was an element in there that, that you'd kind of gone through a, a similar sort of situation hadn't you um the mugging is that what you're talking about yeah 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 tell me tell me a bit more about that because obviously i only heard certain obviously the elements that were in the book but yeah i mean i'll I'll tell that story and then i want to just um maybe through that address some of the things you just said absolutely um, but the i'll tell the short version of the story which is like i went to detroit to live in detroit for a month to photograph um it was just like a photography project and um, i had connected with somebody who was like a high-ranking person in the excuse me detroit police department and he had suggested some places to go and i asked him like is it safe to go there and he said yeah of course during the day it's safe so i went there set up my camera on a tripod um within about a minute two minutes like i saw this kid walking towards me and i was like oh maybe he's just like in a shortcut through the parking lot you know and then he made eye contact with me and was like no that's not what's happening i'm i'm about to get mugged um so i just was like you have 30 seconds to figure this out and it was like nowhere to run 
it was not it was not really escapable by you know running or anything like that so i was like you're good at talking so just talk and uh, as he came towards me and, and got right next to me I mean, like this much he pulled out a large handgun i know nothing about guns but i do know this was an incredibly large handgun and he put it right in my face and said like you know give me all your money or you're gonna die right here and um i don't know there was just this piece of me that felt um i was at peace like i i was just very confident that nothing bad was going to happen and i was confident that even if it did that i would be okay if that makes sense um simultaneously um i just felt a lot of compassion for this guy um it was not pity um it was just compassion right it was just like you know at some points when i've talked about it or written about it i i, I think i talked about it as if it were some level of pity and maybe it worth it was a little bit at the time of like you know he was 18 year old kid in detroit like not a lot of job prospect um but the more that i think about it and really try to go back to that place like it wasn't really it was more of just like oh like you're me and i'm you and like we're just kind of you know to like use typical spiritual metaphor like we're just drops of water in the same ocean right you can't possibly be different and from that place like i just was very call it guided as to what to do and basically I just chatted with him i negotiated with him kind of as i would in a business negotiation um but the whole time with the gun right he took it out of my face but it was still right there at, at, at his side i didn't i didn't i didn't sense like that that was affecting the negotiation or affecting the conversation at all right it was just like no you're human i'm human we're gonna have a chat we're both gonna leave here happy you know happy and and um and that's it and it just kind of went from there now and i can't exactly know everything i felt but that's that's the basic that's the basic story um but just back to something that you said about joe dispenza mm -hmm. you know and that we're always in control are we of our of our thinking and ultimately our destiny i think you said something like that so yeah i would agree we always have a decision to make the decision is um do we want to see this and see this whatever situation if you will through the eyes of peace or not and when you say um you know ultimately our destiny you're right but i think that that how some people might misinterpret this and you know um and misinterpret um this idea of manifestation right it's like all right if i think let's just say good thoughts right then inevitably you know my destiny is going to be good because if i think enough good thoughts then i'm going to get a lot of money and i'm going to get all these i'm going to manifest a good partner and and money and a nice house and like all these other things are manifest and i'm gonna, like these things are going to materialize and if i have enough things and by things i mean you know like actual things like a house but i mean also like a partner or whatever like you know something you can point to then then my life will be really good but the thing is is the reason that you're right about choosing about your destiny is that if you always see peace in everything or, or love or whatever word you want to use and it don't really matter if you get a house or a partner or money or anything like that you're just seeing peace and everything you know your house is is swept away by a hurricane and you see you see nothing but love in that right so um it's it's kind of a razor's edge thing right but i i think um i think that if people could see that all that is necessary for a happy life is always seeing the love and everything and if you choose to only see love then you will only see love and no matter what the situation is right we want to talk about 
COVID or Russia or blah, 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 blah. We could come up with, we could come up with lists and lists and lists and lists of seemingly bad things. But if you only want to see love, then you'll only see love. And if you do, you're going to have a pretty beautiful life. And then if you happen to land on a Porsche or whatever, all the better, but it won't be, it won't be that life changing once you're already living in a space of, of um, sort of infinite peace, if you will. And to be clear, I'm not there. Right. Um, But I try. Yeah, I think everybody's on their own journey, aren't they? And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you have, you know, a dollar in the bank or a million dollars in the bank, depending on how you view life is the ultimate, well, it's the ultimate goal, really, isn't it? To just be happy. And you can look back at your journeys. Like for me, working at certain places throughout my whole career, um, there were elements of whether it was a bad experience because of the management or a bad experience from just the job itself. Um, you know, where I I moved to Dubai um, a few years ago to work in real estate and I was 21, um, female, moving to uh, Dubai and I decided, look, okay, I've saved £10,000 and instead of buying my first house or at least putting it towards the deposit, I'm going to try and really make something of my life because where I kind of grew up, we've never been super rich. We've always just been pretty moderate and, and kind of grown up with a complete, almost blank canvas, no, you know, nothing exciting going on around me. So when I kind of had the opportunity to move abroad and move to Dubai, I thought, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to try because everything in me has always been itching to try and make something of my life, like to really make it worthwhile. And I went over there for six months and I was completely unsuccessful. So it looks great on my resume and on my profile that, oh, yeah, I've worked in Dubai for six months. It was an incredible experience. But every element of me being there, working literally seven days a week, I went to the beach twice in six months. It wasn't a holiday. I was just working, working, working with a complete blank canvas, just lists of cold calling and um, having to really kind of um, make my money go as far as it possibly could because I was renting a room in this shared apartment and just kind of living off potatoes and super noodles. I, I kind of got to the stage where you know I'd I'd kind of made a little bit of a life there I'd made some friends but I kind of ran out of money I was completely unsuccessful and I had to give up and that's one of the hardest things that for me anyway is is giving up with something and accepting defeat and when I got to the airport on the night that I decided to come home because it was literally a um a split decision of I just broke and I thought I need to get home um and to the point where I I actually booked my flights wrong three times and it cost me two thousand pounds in uh in airline tickets um which I got back the the mistake ones I think at first I booked it the wrong year and then the second time I booked it for the wrong month because I was in such a panic to just get home um third time lucky great so I threw everything I had into suitcases I had three suitcases because I'd collected a lot of stuff at that point um and in one of the suitcases there was this giant stuffed bear I don't even know why I decided to try and take it back with me but anyway this um this huge stuffed bear and when I got to the airport obviously I'd had the world's worst day of my life anyway 
because everything had gone wrong and I'd spent a ridiculous amount of money. I was in debt because of these airline tickets because I had to put them on my credit card and the whole the whole acceptance of failure of I'm just coming home and I just want to back home. Um, when I got to the airport, the extra weight of the luggage was then going to cost me £900. So being slightly late for the flight, as I always am, I thought I just it's, it's not worth that much money. I mean, one of them is full of a, a giant teddy bear. Like I, I'm just like I said to the the airline, um, you know, what 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 do I do? Like, can I leave these two here? And she said, oh, you can take it to the desk, the police desk, and you can leave it with them. And they'll dispose of it. So, of course, I've packed these bags in such a rush that all of my dresses went in the one. All of my shoes went in another. All of my trousers went in another. So it was part luck which one I decided to actually take with me. So ended up having to leave two thirds of my life, literally my life there and coming home with absolutely nothing. It was just disaster. Mm. But where I'm going with this and where that led me is for probably two years, I was just in such a bad place, just thinking negatively about life and failing with work and having to start from scratch all over again. And, um, you know, I I kind of I wasn't giving up on a career, but how it, it kind of it changed my thought pattern in how I react to work because even now I still I still don't like to fail and I will still argue until I'm blue in the face if I think I'm right about something. Um because I'm just super passionate and uh you know it changed my way of thinking in the sense that I now look back at all of these negative things that happened. And actually you do have to go through these things in life to come out the other end and feel successful because of them. And I, I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't gone through all of those things. My trip to Dubai made me a completely different person. It brought me out of my shell. And before I went there, very na- I was very naive um, when I realised that that wasn't going to be the direction my life was going in and having to start it it just it completely changed the way I saw life and the way I reacted to things and now you know I'm not living in any special home I'm not a millionaire I'm not you know all these materialistic things that people look at and think you know oh that's that's what it means to be happy but I am just content because I don't look back in anger if that makes sense that was a nice story I mean, if I if I can just say a couple of things about it, you know, the one the few things that I noticed were that this is not on you, but just that we are always every one of us is judging everything all the time. Right. So that's not I mean, when we say judging. We're thinking like, oh, you know, you're ugly. Right. Like that's a big judgment. Right. But I'm saying just the fact that we look at a car. Right. And we're like, oh, that's a big car. That's a little car. Right. Or. You know, I went to a cafe the other day and they had plastic on the seats. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird, right? But why Why do we feel the need to sort of state our opinion on everything, whether out loud or not? And why then do we also think that our opinion is sort of the right? And so when you say even things like I was naive, that's not true. That's just That's just a judgment of some sort, right? Or you say, you know, accepting defeat or failure. Well, well, that's also not true. That's like, that's some definition or characterization that exists really only in your head, right? Or you say, 
you know, I'm going to make something of my life, you know, as if you could make something of your life beyond what it already is. Does that make sense? Yeah. And again, it's not on you at all. It's not, you know, it's not, not a criticism of you at all. I'm just saying, isn't it interesting how all of us all of the time think that there's this rightness of, of something, right? Whether that's, you know, having a big job or, or really persevering and sticking with it and, right? Or even being able to see the silver lining in something, as you kind of said, right? Like it, it changed you. Why do we value all? Why do we say all of those things are good as opposed to just realizing that like every moment of every day of our lives, we have thinking and that thinking looks like it means something. And to the extent that we believe that it means something is the extent that we are going to act on it. Right. So I would say that, you know, your experience in Dubai, my experience with the mugger, um, anything else, they're just happenings. They don't, they don't say anything about us. They, they only change us to the degree that we think that they are able to change us, if you will. Right. Um, if you had gone to, I don't know, whatever, Italy and had this like really glamorous job that you loved and you were incredibly successful. I don't know. It may, it may have had the same effect on you. You know what I mean? Like it looks to you now that like, oh, you are this like bigger person now because of that. But you don't really, you've really no idea that that's true. Right. And, and we're all just sort of like in this river, flowing down this river, being swum more than we are swimming, but convincing ourselves that we we're swimming and like, and we are choosing, you know, do I go to Dubai? Do I go to Italy? Mm, do I throw away this suitcase? Do I throw away that? Suitcase, right. Mm. And like, and to me, the only choice that we ever have, and the one that will lead to the most happiness, peace of mind, joy, whatever, is um, choosing for love, right? And choosing um, to see that we are not separated. Not even intentions, because that even implies yeah. like an outcome. But just choosing to see everything in the world as love, as peace, as not separate from myself. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, like again, as a drop of water in the ocean would look at all of the other drops of water in the ocean. It wouldn't. It can't. Right? It can't say, "Oh, you're a you're a black drop of water, and you're a queer drop of water, and you're a Italian drop of water, and you're." It can't do that, right? And so, to the extent that we choose to see no separation in things and we choose to see love in every situation well then just by that alone is we're happy because we're happy in every moment and by extension you're happy every moment you're happy all the time right you're not mm -hmm. waiting for some other shoe to drop good or bad in the future as a result of doing something somewhere or some other other way you're just you're just fine with whatever comes along you know yeah and i think taking out taking judgment away is the key to that really isn't it and kind of being able to look at things in the sense that they're always going to happen as they're intended and actually you're probably not going to be anywhere different to where you are right now because right now is where you need to be and whatever you're going through if you can use that um kind of phrase and one of and another thing Joe um is it Joe Spencer no it's Alan Watts Alan Watts um uh, has said is you know there is no past there is no future there is just now and when you're in a difficult situation and you really stop to think that you can't change what's happened in the past it doesn't exist you can't change what's going to happen in the future all you can do is what you do now and 
to me that that pulls me away from worrying or from being anxious about you know what might happen and you take judgment away from that as well and you can kind of see the picture of okay well what's happened in my life has happened for a reason and I am the person I am today because of that yeah so it's not only that the the things in the that happened in the past aren't happening now it's that the past doesn't actually exist it it is gone Mm-hmm. It, it exists only in memory and the future exists only in imagination, meaning and the present, which is really just right now. Right. The, and what I said right now, that's in the past. Right. So that, that's kind of the same thing that I've been saying is that that we are only, we are always existing. Every feeling that we have and we're all trying to get to a better feeling state is coming from our thinking in this moment. And, and, and that is why there all that there is is now because we, we we tend to think about the future and when i get x y and z in the future i will feel a certain way but the feeling of being a millionaire is kind of like the feeling of being not a millionaire like you have good days and you have bad days and you're able to buy more stuff that's about it right and 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 it's a i mean it's a it's beyond a cliche to say that you know money can't buy happiness and it and it's and you see plenty of rich people that aren't happy Plenty of incredibly rich people that are miserable. So obviously it's not true. Um, so w- w- I think what you were saying, and, and certainly what I'm saying is when you sort of pick the life that you want, your destiny or whatever, I'm just saying choose for peace, choose for love in every moment, because that's all you can do. Not in the future, not, you know, I'm going to be enlightened in the future. I'm going to be Mr. Peaceful. I'm going to be Gandhi in the future. It's like, no, just just right now. Just pick for peace. And and if everybody did that, I mean, just to bring it back to your original thing about sustainability of the planet and stuff like that, um, I'd like to think that we'd, we'd have a much better society. You know, there's, um, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on and on about that. I won't. Um, but um, yeah, that's kind of where where I see things. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And you definitely worded it a lot better than I did. So, I mean, in terms of yes, the when you're thinking about the past and the future, and really all there is, is right now, you do have to look ahead when you're thinking about, you know, climate change and the world. And um, because obviously, everything we do now affects where we're going to be in 100 years time 200 300 years time i think you're saying while the present is very nice you still have to think about the future a little bit exactly exactly yeah and while i'm not going to say you're wrong i'm going to say sure but we also don't know what the future holds right Mm -hmm. we tend to think about the future um as if we know everything about the future but whatever global warming is or is caused by or whatever I'm not arguing against, you know, the, the accepted ideas here, but we don't know that tomorrow somebody might uh, invent something that just makes the whole problem go away. Right? Mm-hmm. We, we, don't, we, we, we have no, we have very little capacity for seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, um, this is not really what I was saying about seeing love, but you can choose to see optimism, right? Like even mm-hmm. that problem or war problems or hunger or, or whatever you want to point to as a problem with this world, if you really want to see problems in this world, but I really would like to not. But if you want to, why not say, that's going to work itself out. That's going to work itself. I don't know how, because I am not all knowing and all seeing, but it's going to work itself out because there's no other option. Everything is always working itself out, even though it 
looks like it's not. And I think what what makes the difference is where people and um, inventors, like you say, you know, that there's no telling that somebody tomorrow might invent an idea that actually fixes the problem with our you know climate change the great thing about humanity is that there are individuals out there who are solving small problems although small lots of them together become one big um solution really um as they're put together and and i think that's that's where we can all make the difference is just doing our little bit isn't it even as so-called real-world problems go, um, we don't know what the future holds in terms of like somebody inventing something to fix a problem or something like that. But I would even say that you know most of these problems come from a misunderstanding. Right? But to choose peace and to choose love and to choose sort of giving somebody like that love in this moment from your heart as opposed to vitriol, I think that that could have a huge impact on the world you know, beyond inventing more tools of war or even treaties and all, you know, all that diplomatic stuff, but just getting out of our own way and seeing that it is okay to love the victim, so-called, and victimizer, so-called, the same would would go a long way. And so what do we do? We, we, we repay the favor by doing the same thing, right? He sees great separation. He sees, you know, and and so we say, well, we do the same thing. And, and we just hope that our, you know, vitriol is stronger somehow than his vitriol, whether diplomatic or sanctions or war or whatever. We hope that like somehow like our good can win out over his evil, not realizing that we made up all of this stuff. And they're both just misconceptions of um, they're both just creating separation as opposed to choosing to not see separation so yeah thank you for joining me Naf. pleasure um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here and we've talked about a variety of different things that always seem to go slightly off topic but um it's been super interesting and um and always yeah, nice to talk to you really appreciate your uh, your time thank you